0: Um, we are the church. Jesus loves His church. He started it. He died for it. He rose from the dead for it. He's praying for His church right now. He's leading His church. He's building His church. He's calling people into His church. And He's coming back for His church. The church, when it is operating the way that Jesus designed it to, Is the greatest force for good on the planet by far. There's not an organization that can compete with the church as Jesus designed it. Not only because Jesus fills our hearts, his people's hearts, with the love of God, which you see in the early church, which we'll take a quick look at, but the early church, I mean, these people got filled with the love of God and they just started selling their properties and their retirement funds and they just started giving it to their brothers and sisters and taking care of one another This love of god exploded that's why you can't use that particular scripture which people try to use for socialized whatever no that was god's love exploding in god's people's hearts who wanted to take care of one another there was a subculture in um, <clears throat> the roman empire at that time which was the christian church and the love of god exploded through the christian church And so brothers and sisters wanted to take care of one another Volitionally out of the love of god flowing through their hearts That's what that was and then the supernatural power of the holy spirit was on them So they're also doing signs miracles and wonders. There's no other organization on the planet that has that So I say again when the church is operating as jesus designed it It is by far the most powerful organization for good on the earth However, over the last few years, we have not done so well. The last few years have really pounded the church. The enemy has given him his best shot, and it looks like the church has has, uh, sprung a few leaks. It um, did not present itself well over the last few years. And I think we have lost a ton of credibility in the eyes of the world that we're trying to reach and trying to save. We allowed secondary issues to become primary issues and it has blown people apart. If nothing else we certainly have not proven to the world that we are the followers of Jesus by the way we have loved one another. We have certainly failed that test. However I do want to say this Satan has tried to destroy the church for 2,000 years, and he has not been able to do it, and he never will do it. For the next generation, right now, we are setting the course. Those of us who are still in the church or participating in the church are setting the course for the church for the next generation. I was talking to somebody yesterday about this, and I said, you know, every church I know is smaller but better. And I said, because people's passions have been revealed by fire. What people really cared about was revealed. And the people who are in church now love Jesus. They love one another and they love the mission of the church, which is to save the world. Any other issue that is going to divide or separate, we will not tolerate because you're not going to break. The beauty of the church again, this is the mentality in people's hearts and minds that are still committed to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ I think it was a purging a purifying. I think it was and that that can be uh, Overused but I don't I think it's an accurate application in this season That it was a purging what I call a refining and a defining of the church as one pastor said we have fewer disciples than we thought we had Uh, but Uh, They are true disciples and so i'll take them as one pastor said uh, This was during the 2020 election. He says this quote It is a general election year, which means the church sometimes looks more like a circus than an ecclesia The best thing the church can do for society is to be the church as jesus intended and as his apostles instructed Then the world will see what a just society looks like a society where people are respected Burdens are shared talents are used and not exploited the poor are valued and the rich are helpful Then the church will become the prototype of what the world can be and by God's God's grace will be as pastor Shane looper Now some people have lost hope in the church Some people have decided they don't need it or they don't want it Some people are out to discredit the church and they've been this way for most of their life until they come to christ and that is they only like to point out uh what the church has done wrong and how the church or christians or christendom have done more harm than good which absolutely is not true i mean did you know that the church and christians are the ones who started the hospitals in america in 19, or 1751, Dr. Thomas Bond, a Quaker, a Christian, and Benjamin Franklin founded Pennsylvania Hospital, considered the first general hospital in the United States, founded, quote, to care for the sick, the poor, the insane, who are wandering the streets of Philadelphia. Did you know the Christians and churches have been at the forefront of every social justice change in history? I mean, I could go down a litany Of social justice issues and the church has always been out in the front championing the cause did you know that the churches, the Christians are the ones who started the universities See the church Jesus Always exercises his goodness to the world through his church He doesn't have a plan B the church is plan A and that's the only plan he has So we're it we are who he gets to use and so our Commitment needs to be to Jesus and to being the church he has called us to be so the world can have hope. Can I hear an amen? amen. I believe the church is recovering and is becoming stronger than ever. The last two years, I believe, have revealed what I'm calling the church. I'll do this for the visiting Wolverine in the house today. Like when people say the the, uh, OSU. No, it's not the Ohio State University. It's not the Ohio State University. It's the Ohio State University. You ever notice how they do that? It's the Ohio State University. Although the Wolverines did beat us this year. So it is the church that I'm talking about today. I pray that we fall in love with the church again i love my church i pray thank you that it is a place of love kindness encouragement peace friendship help grace power salvation freedom deliverance hope truth don't you want your church to be that place that's what it's supposed to be that's why it's so grievous when you get Hurt in church because they're supposed to, or judged in church or rejected in church because it's supposed to be the only place on the planet that is the safest place in the world and the place where you can be loved no matter what. I was so proud to hear Phil Williams last night, who I went to his uh, 30 year in the military retirement uh, um, ceremony last night at his house. And he stood up and he was thanking different people in different groups in his life. And he, when he t- talked about his church, this church, he said, I'm so thankful for my church because it is a church that, is, that does not judge you. you it's a come-as-you-are church and just fall in love with God and God will take care of it. I mean, he, he was born again here in 2006, he and Christina. They have stayed here. They have grown here. And you go through stuff when you're part of a church for a long time because we are a family, right? And families love and families fight. But families stick together. And as you stick together as the church, the Bible literally means, uh, in the Bible, we're going to see this next week, the word koinonia means you're cemented together. And so when the pressure's on, when the earthquake hits, when the storms come, uh, we find out what we're truly cemented to. Is koinonia really real in your fellowship? Now. I believe we're in a good place and we're just going to continue to get better and better and I'm not, that's not that's not hyper preaching I really believe that's where the church is and I talked to a lot of pastors in our city and beyond and uh, The condition of the church is I mean it's beginning to shine What is the church? Like when you say, you know, well my church or that church or this church or that church What is the church the word church is the word ecclesia? it is a it was that, now, this began in 600 B.C., by the way. Jesus is not the one who coined the term church. It was an ancient Greek term. is where democracy began. 600 B.C., they used the word church, which was a political gathering of citizens who were called together to attend to the concerns of their city. This term church was so common that the news spread across the Mediterranean that there was a rival to Caesar, who was King Jesus, And that King Jesus, his own citizens, were gathering together, or they're coming together as a church uh, to discuss Jesus' kingdoms matters. And so Caesar, feeling threatened, tried to abolish the church. And that's been going on ever since. Because the church is a threat to every government structure. Like when we adopted my son uh, Samuel. The uh, orphanage used to be ran by the Catholic Church. But when the Catholic Church started preaching that God was supreme over government, the communist government kicked them out and the communist government took over the orphanage, which is when I went to, when Hope and I went to get Samuel, the condition of that orphanage was, you know, there was no love. There was no life. There was no care. I mean, it was just, you know, life is, has no value. And uh, that was the condition. That, but that government was threatened by the church. The word church literally means the called out ones. You and I and you online who have given your life to Christ have been called out of the world by Jesus to be His church. We are those called out to the world to Jesus. His citizens of heaven who gather on earth, gather not for social, political purposes, we gather for kingdom purposes. That's why we call this church the gathering place. That's where that came from. It's a place where citizens of heaven who are still living on earth gather together to discuss kingdom issues. Our purpose as a church is not to find our place in the world, it's to save the world. So over the next four weeks, I want us to look at four things that create a powerful church. These are the four things the first church did. And they were so powerful that the people that were outside of the Christian church, looking at the believers of the first century, do you know what they said? It wasn't a compliment. They were annoyed. They said, these people who have turned the world upside down. That's how powerful the early church was. And so as I was studying this out, when you you look at the first gathering of believers in the first century, there were four things they did that made them powerful. I want us to return to these four things. I want us to return and reclaim the DNA of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, you ready to go with me these next four weeks? All right, here we go. We're starting in the book of Acts chapter 2. This is the birth of the church. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. You see, there's my precedent. All right. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. I mean, they were 120 praying in the upper room. The Spirit of God came, all got lit on fire like today. Isn't that interesting? Oh. I just figured out why he was doing what he was doing today. Oh. Wow. Thank thank you Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord. His fire came on the first church. And he's restoring his church right now. And his fire came today. Glad you're here, huh? (laughs) You're here in this moment. I'm telling you, I mean, you know, you don't have to feel what I'm feeling to be a part of it. It is. I'm just feeling it. And, you know, and I haven't felt this fire in a long time. This is real. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So the fire came on 120. They go out and preach the first sermon. And in one day the church goes from 120 to 3,000. That's called revival. All the believers devoted themselves. Okay, here are the four things. You ready? Here we go. All of the. Everybody say all of the believers. All the believers. Here are the four things they devoted themselves to. All other issues need to just kind of like go go outside because here, as the church, here's the four things we're going to do. Dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. Number one. Number two, and a fellowship. That's koinonia. Don't let anything separate us. No issues of the day should separate a believer. I was having lunch with somebody this week and and they were talking about uh, not having things in common with certain believers and I said, well, you have Jesus, right? He's like, yeah, and I said, okay, so that's enough. That's what we have in common. Jesus. I mean, is He enough for us? I mean, when it all comes down to it, Jesus is why the early church knew each other. There are believers I would never hang out with or be friends with if I wasn't a Christian. Nor would they hang out with me or be my friend. Jesus called us out and brought us together as a body. And when we recognize who we are and that we are cemented together in Christ... You end up with friendships that are in Christ that are lifetime friendships that are far better than friendships that you just develop at work or develop in the neighborhood or develop on a sports team because you have Jesus as the center of that marriage, that family, that friendship, that church relationship. And I'll tell you what, when you are offended or you're at odds with somebody or you've been hurt or whatever... If you will ask Jesus his opinion, he will point you straight right back into your church, right back to that relationship. That's why some people don't pray because they don't want to hear what he has to say. (laughs) Because I like what Jen said, Lord, may the fire burn human flesh today, right? That flesh, that burning of flesh is the burning of jealousies and offenses and hurts, right? Jesus, that's how Jesus, okay, that's that's not today's message. Anyway, (laughs) we're going to get there. And the fellowship, and to sharing in meals, that's communion, including the Lord's Supper, that's His presence, and prayer. Those are the four things. Uh, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, Cornelia, the sharing of meals, the Lord's Supper, His presence, and prayer. Those are the four things. A deep sense of awe because of these four things. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Can I hear an Amen. And it's not just the apostles anymore. It's now our turn. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. One translation says, in simplicity of heart. I love that, don't you? Christianity is simple. We love Jesus, we love one another, and we love the lost. That's it. That's all we are called to do. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the first time in the Bible, other than three times Jesus used it in the Gospels, other than that, this is the first time the word church was used in the Bible. Jesus talked about the church, but he talked about his future church. And he said two things about it. One, the gates of hell won't be able to stop it. And number two, that's the place where you find the way to reconcile relationships. Those are the two things. So we're supposed to be exemplifying to the world how relationships can make it through the most difficult times that relationships can go through. We're supposed to be exemplifying that to the world they'll say wow the way you guys love each other clearly you guys know jesus and you're following him because you guys should have been blown apart so as we dive into this first attribute of a powerful church i want to make it clear that when i'm talking about the church i'm not primarily talking about the global church the the word church in the new testament is used 114 times 98 times is talking about a local body of believers because the majority of commands in the new testament you cannot even fulfill them if you're not part of a body a local body you can say well i'm part of the global church okay well um where do they meet right the global church is made up of millions of tiny churches small churches all over the world some underground some above ground some you can say oh no 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 I'm part of the church I have church out at the beach by myself it's like no 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 that's like okay you're part of a body let's say you're the arm so no if you're just saying I'm having church at the beach I'm on my surfboard and I commune with God that's like an arm at the beach You're, you're, you're 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 technically part of a body but you're not connected to the body so you're useless to the body of Christ and you will suffer without the body and the body suffers without you The Bible says that God has put each member in the body as he will so that the body Can be the body of Christ. So every local church has gifts people uh, people that have gifts God puts us together for his purposes for that local church So Satan's goal isn't to blow apart the global church. How do you do that? No. Satan's goal is to blow apart local churches. So he uses a fence as the biggest one. That's the biggest... I'm back to fellowship. Okay. So I just want to say I'm talking about the local Church. That's why the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 10 25. Not forsaken are meeting together as the believers for as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit of coming to church because of the pandemic and you're at home right now and you're comfortable. If you can't come, God bless you for being here. You're part of us. If you can come, get back to church. You need to be part of a body, and that means you're actually in tangible relationships. Not forsaken are meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. The church has a divine design and we cannot redefine it according to our own pain, preferences, or pride. So, let's back up and look at these four things and let's pick on the first one today. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, which is the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So the first one, so these four things, the Word of God, koinonia, communion, prayer. Today we're going to look at the Word of God. Notice how Peter told the crowd to save themselves from this crooked or this corrupt generation. Now, how were they going to save themselves from a crooked or corrupt generation? By believing what Peter was preaching. The truth. The word of God. The word of God, the Bible says, it, it's, it's like a, a plumb line. A plumb line is, is what uh, masons use, what carpenters use. A plumb line is something you, you uh, drop down. You got that picture? A plumb line is something you drop by a wall to make sure that the wall is level or plumb, right? Vertically. The same thing, and he says, see, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. That plumb line is the word of God. Everything in our lives, the way you're parenting, the way you're husbanding, the way you're a wife, the way you're a leader, the way you're a follower, or or, uh, your finances, or whatever you're doing, everything you and I do in life, as followers of Jesus, needs to be plumbed to the word of God that's how you know your life is in line with God is with his word or if you're a carpenter is it square is it is it true right like at this tile floor right here the first tile is the most important one because if it is not true or square or level it throws all the other tiles off and by the time you get over here tiles aren't fitting and and it or like a foundation like if a foundation isn't level then what happens to you got another picture here what happens to see what happens when the what how did that get in there Uh, yeah i'm just i'm just bragging that i got to go to italy for a couple weeks so the the soil was too soft and the foundation started jesus said if you do not build your life on my word, when the storms come, your house is going to collapse. But if you build your life, if you true it, if you square it, if you plumb it to my word and obey my word, the storms will hit your family, your marriage, your church, your life and your house will still be standing when it's all said and done. Amen. The world says there's no absolute truth anymore, which is just a big fat lie. That was a philosophy sewn into the human psyche through, by the devil through philosophers. People using human wisdom, which the Bible calls foolishness. God calls the wisdom of man foolishness when it does not plumb to his wisdom. Jesus says this, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes and make them holy. Your, say it out loud with me, church. Your word is truth. Revelations 9, 11-13 says this. We're talking about the word of God. This is the first thing that the early church did, right? They devoted themselves to the word of God. That's what we're talking about today. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and, say it out loud, True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. There's the fire again. And on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. So we know we're talking about King Jesus. And his title was what? The Word of God. John 1. Verse 1 and 2, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 14, so the Word became human. The Word became human. Don't tell me there's no absolute truth. Jesus is absolute truth. The Word of God is absolute truth, pure, unadulterated truth. That is why Peter, when he preached, he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The Word of God takes crooked philosophies, crooked thinking, crooked lives, and you take your life and your thinking, you line up to the Word of God, and all of a sudden you have a straight line. You have a straight path. It's clear. It's clean. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's our Jesus. And seen, we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, one and only Son. Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, standing firm and unchangeable. Nobody's debating the word of God in heaven. It's only in the earth that the word of God is under assault. You have to decide... What you believe about the Word of God, the Bible, was it written by man or was it written by God? If it was written by man, it is flawed. I mean, how could you put your eternal soul security in the Word of a man or a woman? How foolish would that be? So if you have trusted your soul, your eternal destiny to what the Bible says, then you better trust God with all the other areas of your life. Right? If you've trusted Him with the most important thing, which is your soul's eternal destiny, because you say the Word of God says that salvation comes by putting your faith in Jesus, because what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says a whole lot of things about everything else in life too. So it's either the Word of God or it's not the Word of God. You wouldn't... You would not put all your faith in your soul's eternal destiny in the Word of God and then say, yeah, but then there's other parts of the Bible that, ah, I don't know how you could do that. I don't know how you do that. How do you parse that out? Satan knows the Word of God is the truth. That's why at the very beginning of creation, the first thing satan did who jesus called the father of lies that's how he gets us in our minds lies to you about you about god about others about your eternal destiny about the bible he sows lies into your mind he comes to adam and eve and says did god say what were the words that God said? And then he took what God said, but he twisted it. Remember I talked about crooked and straight? He took a straight word from God. You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but just not that one. Because he wanted to give them a choice to have free will to love God volitionally, not because you have to. So that's what obedience is, is love. I love you, so I'm going to obey you. So God gave him a choice, so you have free will. So you, he, this was God's word You can eat of every tree of the garden, but not that one. Satan enters the scene and says to Eve, did God say you cannot eat of all the trees of the garden? That's not what he said, right? That's not what he said. God's a good God. He said, no, you you get all this, just not that. Of course, that's what we want when he says you can't have that. And Satan comes in and he makes God look like he's the withholder. Did God say you can't have all that fun stuff? Your life's going to suck. If you become a religious person, right? And all these rules and regulations, you don't want to do that. You want freedom. You want freedom. Bust out. Don't let God control you. Religion controls you. The church controls you. It's a bad place. And he just lies and lies and lies and lies about God and about the Word and about us, his people, and about the church and about destiny. He's a big fat liar. And he twisted the word. He tried the same thing on Jesus when he came and attacked Jesus. He attacked Jesus with the same three things, humanism, materialism, and hedonism. The same three things that Satan used on Adam and Eve, he used on Jesus. But Jesus replied to each attack with what? It is written, it is written, it is written. The Son of God is using the word of God on the liar. How important is the word of God in our lives? And so the third attack, Satan said, oh, okay, so we're going to do that. Well, then I'll use the Word of God too. And he quoted a scripture to Jesus and twisted its meaning. This is why Satan has initiated all sorts of different teachings and religions in the earth to convolute, confuse, and to twist and distort the Word of God. Whenever you hear someone's philosophy or opinion, check it against the Word of God to see if it is true, plumb, square. If not, chuck it. If somebody says, well, yeah, but everybody's doing it, that's a sure sign that you ought not go with that crowd. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Ephesians calls the Word of God the sword of the spirit john eight thirty one thirty two. 31 32 and people say that you know religion jesus church will just bind you you need to be free this is what jesus says jesus said to the people who believed in him you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the what truth. you'll know the truth, truth. Yeah. and what will the truth do The truth will set you free. Jesus' truth brings freedom, not bondage. That is why the church must not water down the word of God in an effort not to offend people. Peter's sermon was offensive. You crucified the Son of God whom God raised from the dead. That's not seeker-sensitive. That's not polite. That's not warm and fuzzy. He says, you guys screwed up. You killed the Son of God. And do you know what their response was? It says the truth cut them to the heart. If you don't cut someone to the heart with the truth, they don't have the conviction of their crookedness, their wrongness, their wickedness, their sin... So they can do what this group of people did was they cried out. They cried out. What must we do to be saved? You see, if you don't get somebody lost first, they have no need to be found. When I share the gospel with people, there are people that have been with me when I share the gospel with people, and they get very uncomfortable because I get the person I'm talking to as lost as possible first, and I just let it sit there. I will say things like, you know, the Bible says none of us are going to heaven. Nobody's going to make it. We've all sinned and we're going to be separated from God forever. Have you ever sinned before? Well, yeah, okay, then you're not going. And I just leave it there. And I've had people that are beside me going, oh, they just feel so uncomfortable for the person. What am I doing? I'm letting the truth Reveal to them their true condition so they'll appreciate the grace of God. I don't leave them there. I say, this is what I'll say next. Do you want to hear some good news? They are ready for good news at that point. Heaven's a free gift. God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. If you just give your life to Him, right? And they love that message once they realize they are lost. You can't get people lost with a polite message. The Word of God is offensive. That is why 1 Timothy two fourteen to 15 says, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the, say it out loud. Oh, you can't say it out loud because, okay, I, all right, that's not on you. Uh, I'll read the scripture again it says in 1st Timothy two fourteen and 15 I am writing these things to you now even though I hope to be with you soon so that if I am delayed you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God this is the church of the living God which is the pillar and the foundation of the, the word is truth, say it truth, alright the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth, but there are some who want to pervert the truth the word of God even in the church Okay, look what the apostle paul says as he's about to finish his race paul Has preached 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 preached, preached for his whole life after he got saved He's about to go to uh, rome. He's going to be Martyred and he's going to go to heaven and he knows it So look what he Says to the ephesians church. He says in acts 20 But when we landed at miletus He sent a message to the elders of the church the elders of the church So if you don't have elders in a church, that's not a church elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and to meet him. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured many trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. You see that? I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. Not what you wanted to hear. I never shrank back. What would cause the apostle Paul to shrink back from telling God's people what they needed to hear. Fear of rejection, right? You bigoted, judgmental, narrow minded Christian, right? He didn't shrink back from telling them what they needed to hear. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God. And Having faith in the Lord Jesus and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lies ahead But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others The good news about the wonderful grace of God and now I know that none of you To whom I preach the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful I love this If anyone suffers eternal death it's not my fault That's how I feel as a preacher of the gospel I wasn't called to preach to make friends with people or for people to like me. I was called to preach the gospel To preach the truth of the gospel to God's people to feed his sheep with his food I can't come up with my own food. I mean if you guys just want ice cream all day long I can't do that. Sometimes you need some spinach, right? right I would never serve you Brussels sprouts though <laughs> I declare today that I've been faithful if anyone suffers eternal death it's not my fault for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know the whole council of God some translations say the whole Bible so guard yourselves and God's people Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood. You are purchased with the blood of Jesus. Over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you. After I leave, not sparing the flog, even some men from your own group will rise up distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out! Remember the three years I was with you. I, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and to the message of His grace, the Word of God, that is able, the Word of God is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who have been a set apart for himself. When the world's values are going this way. You cannot go with them and I cannot go with them. If teachers of the Bible start teaching things that are more palatable and acceptable to the world. You're going to ruin that church those Christians and your own soul Paul's very clear about that do you know that in the beginning of our country most universities in the United States were established as institutions of faith the colonial colleges like Harvard Yale and Dartmouth were Puritan colleges they were the, the, the United States was born out of a freedom of religion they started these universities the Puritans did and they, they, were, they, were, they were universities of faith in the Word of God. That's how they began. College of William and Mary was birthed by the Church of England. I let one of my kids use my laptop, and now I'm getting pop-ups for games. Okay. <laughs> Princeton. <laughs> Princeton. <laughs> yes, you did. Princeton was a Presbyterian university founded on the Word of God. Rutgers University was Dutch Reformed Church founded on the Word of God. Most of them, if not all of them, have already moved away from their biblical roots out of the wisdom. Many universities today who claim to be Christian universities have moved off the Word of God. My daughter Bella is going to Point Loma Nazarene University. I researched universities because she wanted to go to a Bible college. What I found in researching Bible colleges is many of them have moved away from the Word of God. Bible colleges. And I, I, I would do Bible study. We used to do Bible studies a lot when she was in high school. I gave her the same Bible study so many times. She's like, Dad, you've already told me the Word of God is the Word of God. I know this. I said, listen, if you were going to a public university, I would expect like the, you know, the, the class of world religions... To just tell you that the Bible is just a history book and you know, man wrote it and all that. I would expect that. You can but when you go to a Bible school and they tell you the Bible is not the word of God, that's worse. Because you're expecting professors of theology to teach you the Word of God is the Word of God. She got there, and sure enough, in a theology class, the students said the opening class, they Professor of theology said to her class. Do you guys believe that having sex before marriage is a sin or not a sin? She said I don't believe it's a sin That's how she opened her class That's how first of all, it's a very distasteful to open a class with that topic with college students secondly That's not the Word of God And I mean it went from there and it just got worse to where she was really battling. But she remembered our Bible studies. She remembered what I taught her. And here's some of it. And we're going to close in just a couple minutes. Colossians 2, 6-10. Paul says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong and the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. Remember, Christ is the Word of God. In Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. That means everything Jesus taught. Is God's word. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler in authority. First Thessalonians 2:13, Paul says this: for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but it as is but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Okay, this is this right here is, this is where it makes all the difference in the world. The Word of God comes to you through the Bible or through prophecy. The Word of God comes to you, just like it did to Adam and Eve. If you believe it's the Word of God, and you mix your faith with it, miracles happen. The Word of God is the power of God. The Word of God created the world. Let light be. Jesus is the Word of God. You mix your faith with the Word, and it produces what the Word can only produce by itself. That's why Paul says this. It works in those who believe it. That Word uh, effectively. That word effectively is a Greek word, energeo, where we get the word energy from. Active operation or working of power and its effectual results. In other words, the Word of God is a supernatural divine energy all of its own. It's God's Word. It's alive. It's powerful. Look at what the book of Hebrews says. same word is used in the book of Hebrews. For the Word of God, everybody say the Word of God, is alive and powerful. That word powerful is the same Greek word, energeo. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. He is telling us this because God's people were given promises to go into a particular land, the promised land. They have the word of God this generation goes up to the promised land they see all the obstacles they see the giants and they shrink back they did not believe the word of god over their physical circumstances and so paul writes to us and he says hey 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 hey! they blew it they had the word of god but they did not believe the word of God. They did not mix their faith with it, he says about them. He says this in uh, verse uh, Hebrews 4 1 and 2. Therefore, since a, prof- a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not, the word that they heard did not profit them. The energy did not get activated, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You can have the word of God in your lap in that book. You can have somebody preach to you like I am right now. You can have somebody give you a prophetic word. And if you don't mix your faith with it, nothing happens. But if you say, I believe it and you mix your faith with it, the Word of God creates that miracle. God says this about it. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground and... To water the earth, they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So he says, the rain and the snow come down. We know this, right? We know this. The water hits the earth, right? The seed germinates and it causes the earth to bring forth and bud. It gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater, produces. So the water and the rain turn into seed and bread. And then he says, so it is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I sent it. Your and my hearts are the ground, the soil. The Word of God comes. It hits your heart. What are you going to do? If you believe it, it goes into your heart and begins to germinate, and it will produce a crop of whatever that Scripture is, healing prosperity salvation deliverance wisdom peace whatever it is that you need the word of god that bible is a sack full of seed it's alive it's powerful and you pour it into your heart and you believe it mix your faith with it and it begins to germinate you know you ever seen weeds that coming through concrete right that's the power of of natural seeds. Well, the seed of the word of God can break any stronghold. It can break through sickness and disease. It can break depression. The Bible says Jesus cast out the demons with a word. The authority of the word of God coming out of His mouth, come out of your mouth, is the power of God. I'm gonna close with these last couple of scriptures. I promise. First, Second Chronicles says, "Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be you'll be able to stand firm." Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And Isaiah says, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Do not be deceived about the truth of the word of God. Your Bible is the word of God. I was with someone this week and we were reading, we're talking about a story about uh samaria it was surrounded by the syrian army they cut off the water supply they cut off the food supply it was a disastrous hopeless devastating situation you might be there today you might be in that situation today the doctors say there's no hope there's no hope for you financially you're going to go bankrupt Maybe there's, you feel like there's no hope for your marriage, no hope for a child that seems so far from God. I don't, I don't know what your situation is. I don't care what your situation is as it relates to the greatness of God. This town, Samaria, true story, it's in the Bible. They were so destitute, surrounded by the enemy, that a woman came up to the king and said, help us. And the king said, what can I do for you? And she said, me and this woman, we made an agreement. That we were going to eat her child first. Then the next day we would eat my child. That's bad. That's a bad day. I mean, this is real. This actually happened. They were so destitute and hopeless. They were eating their children to stay alive. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Isn't this a pleasant story? And she said but we ate my child yesterday but then she hid her child so you got to fix this problem the king just ripped his clothes and he's like if I can't help you if God can't help you what do you think I why how do you think I can help you so the prophet said this the Word of God remember the Word of God the prophet said this tomorrow you're gonna be able to buy anything you want for pennies and there was the king's right-hand man that said if God could create windows in heaven this could not happen and the prophet said you'll see it with your eyes but you're not going to eat any of it well the next day there were four lepers sitting outside the city God can solve your issue in ways you can't even imagine you remember he just said My ways are above your ways. You can't even imagine my solutions to your problem, how I will fix your world. You can't even imagine how I would do it. Nobody could figure this out. There's four lepers that are outside the city because they're not allowed inside. And they said, hey, we're going to die of leprosy anyway. Why don't we just go to the enemy's camp and see if they'll have mercy on us? So they go to the enemy's camp. Well, God had created some kind of diversion, earthquake, and the enemy had run, but nobody knew it. These four lepers come up and they see all their goods, all their food, all their water, all their gold, everything. They're like, oh my gosh, they're eating, right? And they say, wait, this isn't right. We got to go tell everybody back in the city about this. So they go back and tell everybody, and they all like freak out. They throw the gates open of the city, and they all go running out of the city to go get all the stuff from the enemy. And the guy who was the right hand man to the king was the guy who opened the doors. And they trampled him to death. So what's the moral of the story here? So when I was talking to this person, they said, how could they not believe that God could create windows in the heaven? And I said, how come you can't believe that God can heal your friend who has an incurable disease? And he said, you got me. I want to say to you today, what are you believing? It's easy to believe Stories from the Bible that happened way back then. It's easy to believe promises for the future that Jesus is returning, but what about right now, today, and your impossible situation? What does the Word of God say about your situation, and what are you believing? In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, wow, I've overpreached. Let's all stand. Thank you for your endurance. Don't ever let anybody talk you out of the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The Word of God. This is what made the early church so powerful was the first thing. The Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. Word. Word. Everybody say Word. Word. Lord, I pray for faith to arise in this house today. I pray, Lord, for the Word of God to burn unbelief out of our hearts and our minds so we can trust you, believe you, and see you do miracles in our lives and our midst. The psalmist says, I praise your word above your name. Go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. He's awakening the hope in me By calling for my destiny He's breathing light into my soul I will thirst for Him And Him alone, He has gone like the rain, showers on the barren plains, so my heart and tongue confess, Jesus Christ, the hope of men. I am set fast, I will not be moved. I'm anchored, never shake again. All my hope is in you, is awakening the hope in me by calling for my day. my soul. I will thirst for him, and him alone he has come. Let's sing it out. Like the rain showers on the barren plains, and so my heart and tongue confess. Here we go. Jesus Christ the hope of cause my hope is in you God, I am steadfast I will not be moved I'm anchored, never shaken all my hope is in you you bring it home the hopeless giving his heart to the broken sharing his home with the orphan he is the joy he is my joy he is the hope of the nations the father's heart we're embracing he is the song we're declaring he is the joy he is my joy sing let hope arise Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let hope arise. Let hope.
0: never given your life to jesus romans the book of romans says the gospel is the power of god to those who believe it if you've never given your life to jesus know that the story that jesus died for your sins rose from the dead and is coming back again is for you and i'm going to lead you into prayer right now and if you pray this prayer and believe it in your heart you shall be saved. Just like those 3,000 people in the first church. Just pray this prayer out loud if you need to give your life to you Jesus. Just say, dear Lord, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead. And I believe you're coming back again. I put my trust in you. In the word of God. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and i make you my lord my savior and my god today in jesus name if you prayed that prayer and you're online if you'll please leave comments online we'll reach out to you or if you prayed that prayer here today we'd love to talk to you afterward god bless you family um the prayer teams going to come up front if you need any kind of prayer to be answered any need in your life, come up front, let them lay hands on you, let them agree with you. They will believe the promises of the Word of God with you. So if you need anything, come up for the prayer time. Otherwise, God bless you. Thanks for coming today, and I'll see you next week.